welcome to the Brainy Corner. I am your host, Tamia Moreno. Thank you so much for tuning into another week of the Brainy Corner. For this week's episode, I'll be touching on a topic that is a bit more personal to myself, um, which is living with bipolar disorder. I'll be what bipolar disorder is, um, what life looks like living with bipolar disorder, common stigmas of bipolar disorder and why these stigmas are harmful a bit similar to last week um, and talking about just normative mental health stigmas but let's go ahead and get so I first want to touch on my background uh, with being diagnosed with bipolar disorder so I first got diagnosed with bipolar disorder a little over a year ago now Um, my first ever official mental health diagnosis was actually depression and anxiety. And sometimes people think that's all bipolar disorder is, is a range of depression and anxiety. Um, Bipolar disorder is actually wildly misunderstood, which feeds directly into the stigmas I'm going to talk about a bit later. But receiving my diagnosis for bipolar disorder was probably one of the most relieving diagnoses I'd probably ever received. Um, With bipolar disorder, there are a range of symptoms that you experience, and these symptoms make it extremely, extremely hard to live really a normal life day in and day out. Um, And even month to month, your days and your mood are affected so what's the word I'm looking for? So you just experience such a wide range of emotion. It can be from a weekly basis to a monthly basis and even a daily basis that it's, you feel like you're, you have this like lack of control over your life. Um, so while I feel like knowing start working towards allowed me to, for myself, it has also been such an uphill and downhill battle, ironically, because that is kind of the coin of bipolar disorder is being uphill and downhill. Um, But before I get into a little bit more about my background, I kind of want to touch on what exactly bipolar disorder is. Um, Simply because most people do not actually know what bipolar disorder is. I want to say that about a good 98% of people get their information about what bipolar disorder is from social media, which is usually wildly inaccurate unless you're getting it from some type of mental health source or some doctor, physician. Most people are just getting it from whoever tweets what or whoever posts what about bipolar disorder. Or people are getting it from direct lived experiences, which, to be fair, it seems fair, but at the same time it's not because bipolar like I stated before, you ex- your emotions range and you may feel one way one month and another way another month. And that's basically where people get this idea that bipolar people with bipolar are crazy because your emotions and your feelings can range and change so much. So bipolar is known as the crazy disorder. Um, so people seem to think that you're basically just happy one second and sad the next. And while that might seem like that's exactly what I'm saying when I'm saying you experience a range of emotions, that's really not what I'm saying at all. Um, Bipolar disorder is actually characterized by episodes of depression, 
mania and or hypomania, depending on which bipolar disorder you have. There's bipolar one and bipolar two. Um, I have bipolar two disorder, which is marked by hypomanic episodes. So hypomania is basically a less severe case of mania. So people with bipolar one disorder usually have more severe manic episodes and less severe depression and that can range case by case everybody is completely different but that's usually according to the dsm what that's marked by whereas bipolar 2 disorder again the one that i have is marked by hypomania you usually have less severe hypomanic hypomanic episodes um, less prominent you don't have as many hypomanic episodes as you would manic episodes in bipolar 1 but bipolar 2 is marked by having more frequent depressive episodes. So you'll feel more depressed than you would manic. And in bipolar one, you would feel more manic than you would feel depressed. That's typically the main difference. Um, another difference in between the two is how long these episodes of hypomania and depression last. Um, so basically what hypomania and mania are is they're they're basically the same thing. Again, hypomania is a bit less severe than mania, uh, but they're both characterized by feeling intense streams of energy, impulsiveness, increased strength. Most people will say that they feel like they just are super euphoric and they feel like they're invincible. They feel this godlike type complexion um, and you're usually sleeping little to not at all. I know... In my hypomanic episodes, it's it's really hard to describe it. They feel like the best way I can describe it is I feel like I'm high, but not in I just smoked high or not in I took drugs high. It's a it's like a mind high. Like I don't I just I don't know how to describe it other than I just feel like I can do anything. It's Unfortunately, it's a, it feels great. So when I'm hypomanic, I just want to do anything and everything. Like I'll start cleaning everything and I'll start making impulse purchases. Like I'm like, oh, well, I have this amount of money in my bank account. So let me do this. For me, I know my two characteristics of my hypomanic episodes are impulse spending and um, basically impulse decisions. So I will spend a lot. And I will come up with a lot of ideas that will start in a hypomanic episode, but will never finish outside of a hypomanic episode. One of the um, examples I like to use is um, if you know me personally, you know a little bit ago I started what was called Mia's Cupcakery. I like to bake a lot. It was basically just a hobby and it should have just stayed a hobby. But in a hypomanic episode, I decided to turn it into a business idea. Um, I was severely hypomanic at the time, and so I decided that, hey, let me just start a cupcake business um, and sell all of these baked goods. Now, in hindsight, it's it wasn't really the worst idea in the world, I mean, starting a bakery. But I didn't have the funds to do so, I didn't have the means to do so, and I didn't have the energy or the time to do any of that. So I basically, like, opened a a business credit card or a business debit card 
got all of this materials. I got a fancy printer. I got all of these shipping labels. I got these business cards. I got boxes to send cupcakes in and all of these supplies to start a business. And about three weeks later, I came out of my hypomanic episode and completely did not follow through with a business plan at all. So that is what a typical hypomanic episode will look like for me. It's just this grandiose planning that will start and then never finish. Um, To be completely honest, I thought that this podcast was going to be something that was planned in a hypomanic episode. I really, really thought it was because I felt very manic at the time when I was starting this, but I it just happened to be that I was in a really good mood. I was in a stable state. And this podcast is actually something that helps me talk about my thoughts. Um, it helps me help other people. So luckily, this is not part of a hypomanic episode, but it's something that very well could have been. But back to that, everybody experiences completely different things during a hypomanic episode. And it's that hypomanic episode that people coin the term crazy from. Um, because you're just doing all of these different things and you're talking to someone and they may be making all of these plans and you're like, whoa, 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 what is going on? And it's, they're in hypomania or they're in mania if they have bipolar one and it's just misunderstood. Um, and as far as stigma, I feel like when I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, I feel like those two disorders, while still very, very, very stigmatized, it wasn't until I got diagnosed with bipolar that I really felt like the full brevity of what stigma looked like. I mean, I feel like people can understand anxiety and depression. And of course you get the, oh, just be happy or, oh, just pray or meditate or do this or do that for depression and anxiety that's the common stigma but you get people that are agreeable too but with bipolar disorder it's it's like with depression and anxiety you feel just dismissed but bipolar you just get when I tell someone I have bipolar that I don't know that's not close to me it's just you get this look on people's faces that you're just you just Like, are you crazy? You know? (laughs) And they just don't understand it. And, you know, I just really didn't know how to deal with that at the time. Because it's like you're not taught, when you're diagnosed, you're not taught how to deal with the stigma. You know, you're taught about your disorder and you're taught personally through counseling. If you go to cognitive behavioral counseling, You're taught how to live with that stigma yourself, but nobody else around you is taught how to live or cope with that stigma. And so I felt like I was just so alone in my struggle because getting a bipolar diagnosis, yes, it was helpful for me to know what's going on, but I struggled. I mean, I struggled through school. I struggled through work. For a while, my grades suffered. And I mean, eventually all of this, having depression, anxiety, and bipolar led me to drop out of school for a while because it was just overall better for my mental health. But you just, I didn't feel like I had any support system that really fully understood. 
And the depression that I felt during bipolar was so, so bad. I couldn't figure out why my depressive episodes were so bad. Um, trigger warning um, for probably the next five minutes or so. But I, when I get depressed, it's bad. Like, I don't feel like I have just minor depression where it's just, oh, I'm in a slump. I'm not getting out of bed. I'm not eating. I feel like all of my depressive episodes are just marked with suicidal thoughts. No matter what they arise, uh, arrived from, no matter how I was feeling the day before, I cannot get suicidal thoughts out of my head when I have depression. And this this can be very normal for some people, but it's it's so, so defeating when you have depression and you're constantly having to wave away those suicidal thoughts, you know, um, because with de- uh, bipolar 2, the depressive episodes are more severe. And of course, if you're not familiar with depression, depression is marked by um, normally a lack of interest in unusual activities. You feel sad or anxious, suicidal thoughts, of course, you usually sleep too much. You have you either sleep too much or you have trouble falling asleep or both. Um, feelings of hopelessness, inability to do simple things like brushing your teeth, taking a shower, uh, washing the dishes, cleaning up after yourself. I touched on this a little bit in my previous episode. Um, but it just all felt so heavy at the time. And so when you're dealing with all of this having this stigma surrounding bipolar disorder just makes you not want to tell anybody. And when you don't tell anybody, that's what makes everything worse. Because the thing with mental illness is you cannot do any of it alone. You can, and I think I definitely touched on this in my last episode, but you cannot just go into a severe, you cannot, if you're diagnosed with a severe mental illness, and I would classify almost all as severe. I, I don't even want to say one is more severe than the other. If you're diagnosed with any mental illness, you need a support system. Because while I think going to a therapist is great and taking your medication is great, that's like going to a doctor. You know, I want to compare it to like being in a relationship, like being married. I'm married. And I love my husband to death, but my husband cannot be everything for me. I still need friends outside of my relationship. I still need to go out with my friends and not have my husband included in that. You know, my husband and I have our own special relationship, but that doesn't mean I want to just only have a relationship with my husband because that's completely unhealthy. I need to spend time away from him too. And I like to compare mental illness the same. Like, yes, have a relationship, a strong relationship with your therapist and your psychiatrist and whoever's giving you medication and treatment. But I think it's also equally as important to have a community outside of that as well, whether that's a support group, whether that's a group of friends who truly understand what you're going through and are actively participating and learning about your mental illness. I think that's just as important as going to therapy because you can go to therapy all you want, but you can't talk to your therapist outside of the therapy room. You can't take your therapist with you. And so having friends who really understand what you're going through, you're going to be able to decompress with them of course 
granted after you ask them if they're ready to decompress, you're going to be able to sit and say, hey, I'm really struggling this week. Are you open to talking with me? And so while you can't sit and do that with your therapist, I mean, you can always schedule an appointment on the fly. It's so much easier to just have a friend that's readily available as opposed to trying to schedule an appointment with a therapist. Whereas you can talk to your friend and then go into therapy the next week and decompress with them. So I will say that having a support system to help you through all of this makes the stigmas of bipolar go away that much faster. Because like I said, bipolar, having it known as the crazy crazy disorder, it hurts. And not having people who truly understand what's going on inside your head and how just down you feel about it it's it sucks I mean bipolar sucks the life out of you and I'm just getting on a newer medication for it and I'm finally feeling like I'm stable but not everybody can afford medication not everybody's on medication so it can feel like you're very up and down um just overall bipolar is a really tough disorder to deal with And it's like constant whiplash and you feel like you just almost never know who you actually are. For the longest time, I was struggling with self-identity and knowing who I actually am. It's like, is this, am I happy this week or is this a hypomanic episode? And then when when I'm sad about something, it's like, is this going to spin me into a depressive episode or am I just allowed to be sad for this moment? without it carrying into depression. And it's like, can I make a plan without this feeling like a manic episode? You know, it's just, you're always just going and overthinking everything because you feel like you can't be stable enough to make any real decisions and you can't trust yourself. And stigma also affects patients' ability to go out and seek help because some people will attach themselves to their stigma. They don't want to be known as someone diagnosed with bipolar, you know? So if they go to the therapist and or a psychiatrist and they're diagnosed with bipolar disorder, then that becomes their identity when it's really not, you know? It's not, I am bipolar, you have bipolar. And so the question now is, how can we begin to erase the stigma surrounding bipolar disorder? Because I think this is extremely important, just as much as erasing the stigma around general mental health disorder, I think one of the big ones that we need to start erasing stigma around is bipolar disorder. Like I touched on last week, the biggest, biggest, biggest way we can help this is just to educate ourselves as a society about bipolar disorder and stop listening to what TV or other people have to say about what bipolar disorder is. The only people you should be listening to about what the bi- bipolar disorder is are people living with bipolar disorder, therapists, psychiatrists, and subject matter experts. You shouldn't be going on Instagram unless, again, it's like a page run by a therapist or someone with bipolar disorder and getting your information because it's entirely unhelpful and it's further going to feed into the stigma when you're resharing this false information and now your friend is like, oh, that's what bipolar is. Just like I said last week, people are going to start telling you what they think you have or how they think you should act or how they think you should walk or talk when that's not the reality. Again, if you have a friend with bipolar disorder, listen to them. If they need to vent, 
you don't always have to be i think everybody's mental health is equally important and you don't always have to be ready and available for your friend to vent but if you're in a space where you can listen to you can listen to your friend vent about what they're going through then just you know check in on your friend and say hey are you struggling or if they come to you and they say they're struggling and you're in a space make sure that they know that so that you can sit with them and you can hear their experience and you can see firsthand what it's like for them because you don't have to listen to anybody else you'll hear it firsthand from them and you'll have a better idea of what it's like and you can help break the stigma so if you hear someone else saying people with bipolar are crazy or people with bipolar are this or that you know what is true and what is not and it's up to you to step in in those conversations and stand up for people with bipolar and say no that's not true because that's what good friends would do and then at the same time i wish people wouldn't be so afraid to ask about mental illness um i feel like people are kind of standoffish and just afraid to ask someone with a mental illness about their mental illness and i i can get it it's like you when do you even bring up that question like hey you have bipolar can you sit here and tell me about your illness but to be completely honest, I wish people would come up to me and ask me because it brings up a talking point. It's educational and it honestly takes the burden off of us to reach out and start the healing process with our friends. I mean, I didn't know how to tell any of my friends I was depressed or anxious. Um, for That's for many reasons that I can get into in another episode, but it just feels... Like there's a burden on the person with the mental illness who is already struggling to be the one to reach out and say, hey, I'm struggling. This is what I'm going through when I feel like our friends and our family and our community can do a better job at reaching out to us and saying, hey, I know you have this, but I don't really understand it all all that much or I want to know more about your mental illness. Can you tell me about it? Because again, the person with the mental illness or a psychiatrist is going to be the best subject matter expert as to what we're feeling, what we're going through. And all in all, just support those in your life with bipolar disorder. Don't alienate us or leave us out because you're afraid we're crazy. Again, that's going to directly feed into the stigma. Include us in things. Even if we're down and depressed, I know people don't like to invite people who are depressed out because they're like, well, they're depressed. I don't want to invite them out and they're going to say no. Even if we say no, it's still so nice to be invited out to places. I can't tell you how many times my friends have just like ditched me because I was depressed or because I, I've said no before. Just because I say no this time doesn't mean I'm going to say no the next time. And I know sometimes it's like if you keep saying no, why invite this person out? But if you ask them why they're saying no... And they're like, well, mentally, I'm not in the spot to say yes or mentally this. I think getting the reasoning behind the no is important because if your friend is obviously just ditching you just to ditch you, then that's a different story. But if your friend has bipolar and they're struggling, then I feel like you should be the one or really both parties, not really just one person, both parties. They come in and say, hey, okay, maybe you don't want to go out to this outing, but can we schedule a time separately Maybe just me and you. Maybe the person with bipolar just wants to have a smaller group meeting. Because I know sometimes I don't want to attend a large group gathering. I'd rather just do one or two people or just, you know, one person. 
So again, just reach out and see what's up. I think that would help more than anything. Now that I've rambled on for about 30 minutes, I wanted to go ahead and get into the Q&A section of the podcast. For this week, I wanted to do two questions that I have. I had a couple more, but I feel like I can answer those better in um, some upcoming podcast episodes that I have. So I'm just going to answer two for this week. So the first question that I have is, I think my friend is depressed. What do I do? So this one's a bit tricky because there's really no right or wrong answer. And this is going to completely depend on your friend. Um, I do want to say, of course, just a great job for noticing that your friend has had a change in mood. I know a lot of friends might not notice that and it really just tells how great of a friend you are for even noticing such a dramatic shift in your friend's mood to even think that they might be depressed. Um, I know I would love to have friends close to me who noticed this shift in my attitude. Um, so I would say if you think your friend is depressed, there are many different things you can do and there are many things you probably should not do. I would say, honestly, I'm going to speak as if it were me because, again, you can you can do so many different things in this scenario and the right thing is really going to be what your friend needs but you don't really know what your friend needs until you ask. So I would say the first step is to just check in on your friend. Just ask them how they're doing. Be open and honest. Just say something like, and I would do this um, in person or over text. Um, however you think your friend best communicates. If your friend usually opens up more to you over text, then text them. If your friend usually opens up more to you in person, then do this in person. Measure how your friend reacts. And respond that way. But I would just start with something simple like, hey, how are you doing? I noticed you've been a bit down lately. Is everything okay? I just want to let you know that um, I'm here for you in any way possible and you can share anything with me. Love you. Something like that or that variation. Um, Don't accuse your friend of being depressed. Don't be like, hey, I think you're depressed. You need to go see a therapist. Um, because that can feel very forward and you can it can feel like you're attacking them and your friend may not even know that they're depressed they may not they may know they're depressed and they may not have any way for help there could be again this situation has many different scenarios and I think the approach of just letting your friend know that you notice a slight change in their mood but letting them know that you're there for them in whatever way that they need is the best way to just go about this. And if your friend opens up and says, hey, they are depressed, then, you know, just slowly start nudging. Just talk to them and see what they can do. Um, Now, I think there's a point where the depression might be super severe and they need help. And now that's a whole different scenario. And again, I think if that's the case, um, still talk to your friend about the options, see what they're comfortable with um, first before you make any intrusive steps. But at the end of the day, if it is very, very, very severe depression, there are protocols that you should take. Um, And I would suggest to go on NAMI, NAMI, 
or um, any type of mental health service website and read up on any articles that share information about um, what to do if a friend is depressed or suicidal and read up on that just to give you an idea of how to handle that situation because those situations can be very delicate and again every person will handle everything differently but overall the main point of this is just start very light just ask them how they're doing um, and let them know that you're there for them so the next question and last question that I have for today is is bipolar disorder manageable and that's a really good question so this is another one that will vary from person to person. The broad answer would be yes, bipolar disorder is manageable um, in many different ways. And it just depends on how severe your bipolar disorder is. It depends on if you're getting help for your bipolar disorder. Obviously, if you are struggling with bipolar and you're not seeing a therapist, you're not taking medications, your bipolar disorder may never be manageable, but at the same time, some people can completely manage their bipolar disorder without medication. Um, now therapy, not doing therapy is not something that I wouldn't, is not something that I would recommend. I always recommend therapy if you're dealing with a mental illness, but again, not everybody has access to therapy and it would be completely ignorant of me to say, you need to go to therapy. Um, so I think some people can effectively manage it on their own without any resources. I mean, some people have no choice but to do that. Um, but I think some cases are so severe that it is unmanageable without therapy and medication. And that's why these stigmas start to breed because these people are out here without help and they have no way to get help. So the overall answer is yes, Bipolar disorder is manageable with the right resources. Um, and unfortunately, not everybody has access to the right resources. And I wish everybody did. This is something I actively want to work towards in whatever way possible that I can. I mean, with this podcast, with my future career as a mental health counselor, that is something I want to actively work towards is making therapy accessible for everybody. Um so I hope that that's something I can fulfill in my lifetime. I know there's a lot of steps I'll have to jump through that go through that and to even reach that point. But if I can even move the meter an inch forward to make it to that point, then I would be grateful. Um, thank you to the two people that asked those questions. I really enjoyed answering them. Um, but that is all I have for today's episode. Thank you so much to everybody for listening in to another week. Before I go, I just wanted to say that I would love it if you'd leave an honest review on whatever platform you use, whether it's Spotify, Apple, whatever platform you use, it will really help the show out um, to have honest reviews. It'll help with um, ratings, um, boosting the podcast, getting it out there. And again, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week on The Brainy Corner.